Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting. And Leaky Black Matt Norlander is here with me, and we are now uh, just two weeks away from the start of the regular season that comes on November 5th. Norlander and I are both going to be in New York City for the Champions Classic. And now that the Associated Press preseason poll is out, it's official. Top four teams in the country, or at least the four highest ranked teams in the preseason AP poll. They're going to be inside New York's Madison Square Garden. It'll be number one, Michigan State versus number two, Kentucky. Number three, Kansas versus number four, Duke. So it'll be four Hall of Fame uh, coaches and the four highest rated teams under one roof in Midtown Manhattan. Should be awesome. Norlander, you fired up? Are you fired up or are you fired up? Uh, I'm always fired up, and that is just a great thing for college hoops. We both expressed similar sentiment on Twitter over this. Um, obviously, the Champions Classic is a great event every season because you have four marquee uh, blue blood level programs there. But to have one, two, three, and four, Paris, I'm vamping this off the top of my head. I think this is the first time that those four teams have been one, two, three, and four in the rankings, and I know for sure it is the first time we have had one versus two and three versus four to kick off uh, the start of the college basketball season on opening night. So that is a a great windfall for college basketball that they just happen to land one through four in that way, Michigan State, uh, Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas. And yet it's it's very different from a um, personnel perspective, I think, because it feels like even though we didn't have one, two, three, four last season – um, it felt like we had more star power last year with R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish. At that time, um, people were talking about them as as, and I guess they went on to become like three top ten picks, three lottery picks. But there was some thought, maybe it started after the season that that they could actually go one, two, three in the 2019 NBA draft. They didn't, um, but um, they they were still lottery picks. We had individual like stardom, whereas I'm not sure that that applies here. Even if we've got the four best teams in the country, um, you know, I I don't know that. You know, like Michigan State's the number one team in the country. I don't know that they've got a lottery pick. It's just sort of a unique set of circumstances. Here. It is, and we now have – I mean, we've got interesting stuff with, with Michigan State that we'll get to in a few here regarding uh, their roster. But overall, yeah, we are – as we record this, I mean, we are, we are straight two weeks out. Uh, it can't get here fast enough, and that night will bring about a lot of intrigue um, and – I think regardless of who wins, uh, you know, we'll t- we'll have our takeaways and and they'll lend certain storylines uh, to kind of you know t- to play with right off the bat there. But um, the really cool thing about it is I, I I feel like because of Josh Langford's injury, Michigan State isn't as heavy of a favorite as clear cut of a number one as it was when we were presuming he would be back and healthy sooner than later. That's not the case. And so if Michigan State were to lose on that opening night of the season, and regardless of what happens with Duke, and we'll get to them in a few, um, you know, none of those teams if they lose, if they get, you know, blown out. Remember what Duke did to Kentucky last season. I don't think we'll be walking away from that saying, like, this team isn't what we thought they would be, and we need to really have second thoughts on uh, their national championship outlook. I think it'll just be a great, fun way to start the season on November 5th. Yeah, to my point, I just went and looked at Jonathan Gavoni's uh, 2020 NBA mock draft over at ESPN.com. There's not a projected top 10 pick that it's going to be at the Champions Classic. Uh, the highest... Um, uh, the, the, the best prospect that'll be at the Champions Classic relative to Jonathan's um, uh, 2020 mock draft that's published right now at ESPN.com would be uh, Khalil Whitney, who is um, slotted 12th here um, in his 2020 mock draft. So whereas last year we had 
Well, we had the number one pick. We had the number three pick. We had Cam Reddish. Um, you're not going. We had PJ Washington. You're not going to have that kind of NBA talent at the Champions Classic, but it should still be terrific. And that is even despite the news that uh, broke earlier today. Tom Izzo telling reporters, as you noted, uh, Josh Langford is going to be out um, until at least January. Now, um, I don't. I don't think this is a killer. Because they were very good without him last season. He only played 13 games. But he did average 15 points per game in those 13 games. I know that some people were making the argument as the season progressed that Michigan State was better without Joshua Langford. And I I don't know whether that's true or not. But uh, clearly, he's a veteran. He is um, got a a, a, – he's accomplished. He's proven. And now we know the preseason number one team in the country is not going to have him at least until January and perhaps even deeper into the season. Who knows? If his foot doesn't respond, maybe not at all. Um, that is an interesting development, again, just two weeks out from the season. It is, and this is a major bummer for Langford. Um, by all accounts, just uh, a tremendous uh, tremendous man with a great outlook on life who has just suffered a bizarre, mysterious, can't-figure-it-out foot ailment, and now for him to be gone until January. For me, when you look at what Michigan State brings back, I still, if you told me that Langford was out definitely for the entire season, I would still, uh, GP, I'd say that Michigan State should be the preseason number one, but this brings them closer to the rest of the group with the Kansases and Kentuckys and what have you there, um, particularly because when he's healthy, uh, really solid shooter, really good two-way player, a nice defender that fills them out nicely. Um, this is just a, a complete bummer. Tom Izzo, I guess, was you know uh, close to tears when he was just you know relaying what was happening with Langford and the fact that he has to be out until January at the earliest. Michigan State fans will remember that last season. Uh, the diagnosis and prognosis on Langford's injury initially seemed much shorter than it wound up being. I mean, when he went down, the belief was not that he was going to be out for the rest of the season, and then lo and behold, that wound up being the case there. So hopefully he can get healthy as soon as possible. It would be great to see a Michigan State team, which when fully healthy Parrish could potentially set up as one of the two or three best in the history of Izzo's program. They've never been number one in the preseason poll until this year in the history of the program. Um, would like to see him get healthy sooner than later. But yeah, that's a significant and major injury. Uh, big news here on t- Tuesday, two weeks out from the start of the season. So the nightcap at the Champions Classic, it will be number one Michigan State against number two Kentucky. The early game will be number three Kansas against number four Duke. And I bring that up because you published your one to three fifty three rankings at CBS Sports earlier today. And you've got Duke down at number 10, which is lower than the AP poll. It is, I believe, lower than pretty much anybody I've seen anywhere. Why do you hate Mike Krzyzewski's Blue Devils so much? I'm just a seller. I'm going to sell on him a little bit here. Um, Admittedly, as I write in the post, with the 1-353, to I'm obviously trying to do uh, as accurate a job as I can at establishing where these teams, I think, rank when fully healthy over the course of the entire season college basketball. Um, I like Trey Jones, but I want to see how good he can be offensively. And then this class, Paris, this freshman class that they've got, that they're bringing in, Vernon Carey, Jr., Matthew Hurt, uh, Cassius Stanley, Wendell Moore, good group I'm not convinced that it's going to be the kind of group that keeps Duke in the top five of the polls all season long. I just have some hesitation on how strong defensively one through five that team will be and how reliable offensively. How much shooting are they going to have? I could very much see a a scenario in which Duke is a very good team fighting for a two seed and three seed, but they're not nearly as consistent or dominant as they were a season ago. So I just, I sell a little bit on them. And it's also interesting that Duke was the pick to win the ACC yet again. I think it's been 
been like six times in the past ten seasons this has happened that Duke has been. Duke hasn't won the ACC regular season championship in a decade. So uh, while it's obviously been a top three program across that time span in college basketball, undeniably, when it comes to play within the ACC in the regular season, there's usually, and not usually, there's always someone, at least one team beating out Duke there. So yeah, I'll run down my top ten real quick here. I got Michigan State one, obviously, Kansas two, Kentucky three. I like that as a top three GP, and then I would draw a line. I've got Carolina four. I admit that I am high. For as low as I am on Duke, I think I might be higher on UNC than anyone. I have that much faith in Cole Anthony. I put Maryland at five. Shouts to our editor, Adi Joseph. I think he's been waiting for a shout-out on this podcast for (laughs) a long time. His Terps at five. I think he... uh, I think he's actually disgusted by how much I believe in the Terrapins, as are a lot of Terrapin fans. But I, I, I look at their roster, JP, to me. And you're similar, by the way. We'll get to your ranks in a second. I got Florida 6. Shout out to another editor, Adam Silverstein, a UF alum. That was not intentional, but I just realized I put both those teams 5 and 6 back-to-back. Virginia at 7, Gonzaga at 8, Louisville 9, and then Duke at 10. Yeah, I, um, I've got Maryland, I think, 6. So I'm high on them as well. And it's funny, like, Maryland is the – the I don't want to say the one fan base, but typically if you rate somebody high, the fans are enthusiastic about it. And if you don't rate that team as high as the fans think, then they think you're the dumbest person on the planet. And yet it is Maryland fans who consistently will be like, we're not going to be that good. I know. <laughs> They're like, I don't – there's no way we're going to be that good. They just – like I said, hey, I look at what they're bringing back and what they're enrolling. It looks like a – easy top 10 team to me and yeah i've got them six that's too high there's no way we're gonna be that good they just they fundamentally don't believe in themselves they don't it's actually it's it's funny you mentioned that because before i we published the one to 353 on tuesday i just said listen this is coming soon about an hour before it published and in that time i had uh much maryland chatter and like tongue-in-cheek like yeah we might be good enough to get upset in the second round this season i've got some real uh real <laughs> optimistic outlook on our team um i think maryland fans are frustrated with the potential they've seen over the past six, seven years with Turgeon there, and they haven't lived up to it. But I'm going to stick. I, I I like Stick Smith. I think he will be a I think he will be a top five sophomore in America, and I. I do think Anthony Cowan will wind up being a top five point guard of, of value and importance this season. I will ride those two players over all others, but I do like the rest of the roster as well. But um, yeah, Maryland was one when I was making this list. Uh, once I got to five, I thought, well. Who do I want to put here? Um, and I zagged a little bit, you know, I, I not too much because you actually you and me might be higher than just about anyone on the Terps there, but uh, but I do like them for the record. They are 16 in the um, in the also newly released Ken Palm rating, so that's not too too far behind. But we are a bit higher than most others. Uh, Maryland hasn't been to the Elite Eight since 2002, so it's been yep. a long time since that program has um, operated at the tip top of the sport. Um, and certainly haven't, haven't done it consistently, although I do believe Mark Turgeon's done a, um, a, a nice job there uh, replacing Gary Williams. It's just that he hasn't broken through quite the way the fan base would want him to break through. But he's got a team, at least I think so, he's got a team on paper good enough to do it this season. To circle back to Duke real quick, um, it is true that they don't win ACC regular season titles nearly as often as people predict them to win ACC regular season titles. And I swear to God, if you're one of those nerds who's about to tweet me and say, you know, the ACC doesn't really have a regular season championship, like just hit delete on it. Nobody <laughs> wants nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> Look, shut up. <laughs> as long as schools hang banners that say ACC regular season champion, then we're going to talk about ACC regular season championships. They don't win it as often as they're predicted to win it, but they're almost all 
always good. It's why I roll my eyes at the Duke is overrated stuff. Past 10 years, they finished in the top five at Ken Palm um, five times. And in the top eight, seven times, their average finish past 10 seasons at Ken Palm is 7.7. So if you just blindly assume Duke is going to be a top eight team in the country, um, you're going to be right, at least over the past decade, 70% of the time. Um, you're going to be right way more often than not. Yeah, and I, that's why I ultimately put Duke in the top 10 because as I wrote in the little uh, in the capsule there, I thought about going 11, 12, or 13. Beyond that, you really there's really no case to it. But I did look at the history, obviously take the coach into account. And Trey Jones could be a first-team All-American, so I put him there at 10. History shows that certainly is more likely. Now, you've got him, you've got him as high as two. Parrish, I, I, I just can't buy that. I, I, there, I cannot look at the roster that Duke has and say that that is going to be a top-two team in college basketball. I just fall short on that because I'm not as in on the incoming freshman class. Um, and then, like, you know, Jack White, Javin Delorier, are they are they going to be the kind of – are they going to make the kind of jump that they might need to make to validate Duke as a top-two team? I'm not quite that certain. Uh, but it'll be interesting, and Duke is always – I mean, I've said many times before, and we'll say it as long as it's applicable, Memphis is the most interesting team in college basketball this season. But from a pure discussion standpoint, Duke is always going to be in that top five no matter how good or bad or otherwise they are. Well, Duke goes from having three top ten picks in Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, to having – I'm just referencing Jonathan Gavoni's mock draft because it's right in front of me – to having zero projected top ten picks. But they do have four projected top 27 picks, more projected first-round picks than anybody else. So um, I, I think these things can both be true. Duke is not nearly as star-studded, you know, at the top, you know, um, you know the top five pick uh, perspective – but they've still got really, really good players. They've still got Mike Krzyzewski as the coach. Um, I suspect that they'll be really good again, again, because they almost always are. But if you wanted to argue they're not a top two team in the country, certainly that's a, it's a, it's a reasonable thing to argue. As always, we'll see. The only obvious thing, and I guess it's not completely obvious because five AP voters went another direction, but I, I think most conversations start with Michigan State at number one. And this is before the Josh Langford news, obviously, but Michigan State number one. And then really the next three or four teams, we could probably put in just about any order reasonably. And honestly, we might look up week two of the AP poll and it all looked different because there's nothing crazy about thinking Kentucky could upset Michigan State and Duke could upset Kansas. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, those those things I don't know that there's that much difference between those four teams on paper, even if I do believe Michigan State on paper should be ranked number one. I agree. Um, can I can I bounce off our uh, bounce off you are just our, our biggest differences within your top twenty five real quick here? Get your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we've got a, we've got a, we've got a few here. So these are teams that perish. The biggest ones are Duke two. I've got Duke ten. You've got Memphis at seven. I've got Memphis at thirteen. That's not that big. I would note. Um, and listen, I know GP. You talk about him every day, so we don't have to get too hard into this if you don't want. But you've got Memphis seven. I would think that you maybe have Memphis higher than anyone in America. Now that's can be validated given the strength of the class and how well they did last year under Penny Hardaway. I don't have them too far behind him. I've got him at thirteen. Um, I've got Seton Hall at 23. You've got him at 12. Seton Hall's the one team I have in my top 25. When I was done, I thought, I'm probably going to regret this. I might want him up another three, four, or five spots. And then there's a couple of big ones. You've got Auburn 16. I've got him at 29. I think they lose too much talent uh, year over year to put him into the top 25. And then here's where I think the difference between us on these two teams is going to wind up probably being in the middle. 
You've got the Tennessee Volunteers, who lost two of probably the four or five best players in the history of the program. You've got them 19 in the preseason. I've got them 41st. So I'm. If you told me at the end of the season that Tennessee winds up with like say a seven seed, it was closer to that, you know, settling in the 28 to 32 range at Ken Palm or otherwise, I would totally believe that. There's a few more I want to get to, but I wanted to get to those uh, five in particular: Duke, Memphis, Seton Hall, Auburn, Tennessee. Those are the five teams you have ranked where I have the most difference in my rankings at the top. Seth Davis had Memphis number six at the athletic special shouts to Seth, um, but now he has backed off of that in his updated rankings. I think moved Memphis down to, to maybe 12. And that was the biggest discrepancy um, between Ken Palm's preseason ratings and most human rankings. When Ken Palm's preseason ratings came out on Sunday morning, uh, it's got Memphis 50th in the country, Jeez. which obviously is lower than any, literally any human ranking. Every AP voter's got Memphis in the top 22, um, as high as seven, as low as 22, but nothing lower than 22. And yet they're 50th at, at Ken Palm, which does make me reconsider. You know, I talked about this on the radio uh, yesterday because I, I'm big on what are recruits who are rated or who are ranked here usually do as freshmen? Like I study all of that stuff so that I can have a, a hopefully a pretty good idea of, of what is usually going to happen with players like this or teams built this way. And the truth is though um, Memphis is such a unique um, situation that it, it's, you know, it could be an outlier in the way that uh, Ken's algorithm evaluates teams in the preseason because it takes into account um, last season's data to a certain degree. It doesn't take in it, – it doesn't value, um, you know, sub-30 freshmen nearly as much as maybe a human would value a Boogie Ellis or a, a Damian Ball or a DJ Jeffries. But um, so there's, there's, it's 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 a unique. How often does the NIT team enroll the number one recruiting class in America? Right. So right. there's a lot of stuff going on here. But I will say that if you just go back and look at the past five years at Ken Palm's preseason ratings, um, regardless of why somebody is ranked where they're ranked, the truth is this: uh, teams that start 50th or worse um, have only earned a top four seed in the NCAA tournament one time in the past five years. So there's 80, 80 possible spots, and only one time has a top four seed been a team that started 50th or worse at Kim Palm's preseason rating. You want to take a guess who it is? Trivia time! Oh, gosh. One time in the past five years, a team started 50th or worse and earned a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. How many years? Ten years? Past five years, it's only happened once. Oh, five years. With uh, an ACC team in 2015. So would that have been NC State? No, it was Notre Dame. I, you'd never guess it. I, there's no reason for you to guess it. Okay. But they, 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 they started – I don't even remember this team. I, have, I don't even know who was on it. <laughs> they, but they started 70th um, at Ken Palm, and they got a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's, that's the one that almost beat Kentucky. Maybe if yeah, you say so. That is. That is. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm almost positive so that, that is. Yeah. That that's that's the team that almost beat Kentucky. Yes. Okay, so they um they finished ninth at Ken Palm, started seventieth. So if you're looking for teams that went from fiftieth or worse 
to a top four seed only once in the past five years. 50th or worse to a top 15 Ken Palm finish only once past five years. That's also that same Notre Dame team. 50th or worse and then makes the Sweet 16. It's only happened nine times in the past five years. So only um, 11.3% of the past 80 Sweet 16 teams started 50th or worse at Ken Palm. So I know that depending on perspective, fans like to scream. Um, ah, preseason rankings don't mean anything, and preseason ratings don't mean a thing, but the truth is they're, they're pretty good indicators of what is likely to happen. Um, more evidence being this. Six of the past nine national champions were preseason top five at Ken Palm. Seven of the past nine mm-hmm. national champions were preseason top ten at Ken Palm. So if you really have dreams of, of cutting nets on a Monday night, um, you – uh, probably need to be history shows you need to be in the top five preseason Ken Palm. Um, and if you really want to get a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, you really want to go to a sweet 16 history shows, you better be in the top 50 at Ken Palm. And so that's uh, obviously a big topic of conversation in Memphis. What does that preseason rating, um, it does, should it downsize expectations a little bit because uh, again, I'll make this as simple as I can make it. If you are rated where this Memphis team is rated in the preseason, um, the odds of you having the type of season most Memphis fans or most human polls think are on tap, um, it, it, do, it doesn't usually happen. But if you were looking for a comp, I thought this was interesting. Um, LSU last year started 48th at Ken Palm. They win the SEC. They go to the Sweet 16. They get a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. And that team was built a lot like the Memphis team. It was coming off of an NIT and enrolling two five-star prospects. Same thing as Memphis, coming off of an NIT, enrolling two five-star prospects. So that might be the closest comp. But either way, I, I thought the preseason numbers were interesting. That is interesting. Wisdom of the polls, wisdom of the crowds there with a lot of that stuff that you referenced. Uh, sticking in the American real quick here, um, I've got Cincinnati 12th. You have Cincinnati unranked. If you did a top 39 and one, I'm not even sure if you would go that high. Uh, I got a couple teams here that I am uh, aberrationally high on and willing to be very wrong on. But, hey, the Wofford principle is always in play here. Just just remember that, Parrish. Um, USL are on Cincinnati just because they lose Cronin. Got to the tournament uh, way more often than not there. Uh, they bring back a really good player, uh, but maybe not enough on the roster there. Just I wanted your thoughts uh, as someone who, you know, not just when the season ends, but you know, five, six times during the offseason, you reevaluate the top 25 and one, and you update it as results, transfers, all this stuff uh, merits it. Uh, that's my highest ranked team, the Cincinnati Bearcats at 12, that you do not have ranked out of your 26. That's all. Yeah, I would have them in the top 35. I, um, I do think losing Mick matters, and I'm a believer in John Brandon. I think he's going to be good there, but like Mick was really one of the most consistent winners um, in college basketball um, over the past decade or so. I know that he didn't bounce it into the second weekend nearly as often as, as Cincinnati fans wanted, but um, he was rock solid despite having rosters that did not usually suggest what he was about to do was, um, was a likely scenario. So I, I do think losing Mick matters and 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 losing you know you bring back jaron cumberland but you do lose some some key pieces um i could you could reasonably have them in the top 25 i would have them in my top 35 i do think top 15 is pretty high based on everything i just said yeah no it's it's definitely high i've almost got a feeling that uh while i'm not predicting cincinnati to win a national championship or anything like that uh, nothing like that. I think we might have a Larry Coker situation, uh, like with Miami football. Uh, he inherited 
uh, Butch Davis's roster, what, 20, almost 20 years ago, um, and came in and was really successful. I, I like his style with the roster that Cincinnati has with Cumberland, so that's why I'm high on them. Another team I'm way high on, I'm higher on than anyone by far. This team only received one vote in the preseason AP Top 25. That's those Providence Friars. I've got them 15th. You've got them unranked. I think one through seven, Providence has a chance to have the best roster in the Big East, led by Alpha Diallo. But they got they got my man Lou Wayne Pipkins, okay. And if he's healthy, he'll be playing point for point uh, for Providence. That was the one issue with this team, and the reason why they did not make it to the NCAA tournament last season. Cooley had gone the previous five seasons, which was a Providence record there. Um, so I was aggressive on them. I have them. I actually think that Providence and Villanova will tie in the Big East. And then Seton Hall will finish a game behind if I'm you know, blindly trying to project here. I think that those three will clearly be the three best teams. Uh, although, shouts to Xavier fan because you are already coming at me, not just for having Xavier a little too low. I've got the, I've got the, the X-Men at 36 overall. But they're like, we weren't that different than Providence last year. And you've got them 20 spots ahead of us. I hear you, Xavier fan. We'll see. I think you're going to be much, much better. Um Couple more. You don't have Texas ranked. I've got them 25th. That's you know that's minuscule. So for all I know, you'd have them 27 or 28. Uh, I do buy Shaka's team this year. Uh, good freshman there, Will Baker. It is a uh, we touched on it on the previous podcast. I th- I do think it is a um, uh, a make or break year for Shaka Smart. But I think that they will get to the tournament with ease. And then the only other team, Parish, and you can go wherever you want with any of these if you like. The only other team that uh, that I have higher than you that we both have ranked, you've got the Buckeyes of Ohio State 21, which I think is reasonable. I was, I think, admittedly a little bit aggressive with them. I've got them 14th overall. Um, Caleb Weston, probably the best post player. DJ Carton will be a really good freshman. And I think defensively, see, I really like what Holtman has with this team, how much he's able to bring back. I just think we'll look up and they're not going to be a sexy team, but I think Ohio State Parish is going to win a lot of games 65-61, and they're going to climb up the Big Ten standings and wind up being a top 10 defensive team nationally. I'm a little lower on Xavier as well. Like Xavier's the one team in the AP poll that I do not have in the in the top 25 and and one. They're 19th in the AP poll. I don't have them ranked. And so it's interesting. You and I are both low uh, on Xavier. Happy to be wrong. Yeah, happy mm-hmm. to be wrong about Xavier. But you and I do not have them in our top 25 or top 26. They're 19th in the AP poll. Um, the teams that I am higher on. Um, than the AP poll is. I got Tennessee nineteenth, as you pointed out. They're twenty. They would be twenty eighth in the AP poll. I've got Davidson twenty third. They would be thirty first in the AP poll. But the truth is, by the time AP voters submit their ballots, I don't mean to suggest they're copying me or you or anybody in particular. But I do think it does become. They're a. They're. they're I. I think we, go, dating back to April helps sort of frame the yes. way people are going to vote. And then it does become a little bit of a groupthink exercise. Not completely, but a little bit of that. I think I think that is that is true. I th- and I just think it's unavoidable. Think about if you if because a lot of a lot of the voters um, will cover college football and college basketball. And so if you're in the midst of covering college football from basically GP end of July until now, and you know, your vote was due say a week ago or whatever, you're like, all right, well, I got to check in here. Let me just, let me check out ABC and D, uh, to see where these teams are at. And I think that can also play a factor. I'm glad that you mentioned Davidson because, First of all, they're the highest ranked team on my list that did not make the tournament last year. I'm pretty sure that's – no, that's not – Providence is. Davidson is 19th, so they're right behind them. 
Parrish, this is this roster brings back a ton. I mean, Keelan Grady is the better pro prospect, and yet John Axel Gunmanson won A10 Player of the Year. Those are two of the three best players in the league. I don't see how this isn't a top three team of Bob McKillop's tenure. I I see no conceivable reason how you could not have Davidson as a preseason top 25, given how much they bring back from a really solid team that, yeah, it just missed out on, on the tournament, but won 24 games a season ago. I think we are in close to lockstep with, with those two teams specifically, Davidson and VCU out of the A-10, and then I'll just mention that Dayton's right there too. I mean, I've got Dayton 37. Um, you're going to be at A-10 Media Day later this week. Uh, it's an optimistic time for that conference because those three teams, I think, will all be in the NCAA tournament, and the league after it was way down last season, as you well know, is is truly I, I don't feel like I'm gassing it up. I'm, I'm speaking honestly after talking to coaches and researching. Like the Atlantic 10 I think will make an aggressive bounce back uh, quite pe- quite possibly to be like a top 8 league in college basketball this season. Yeah, I mean VCU and Davidson basically bring back all of their important pieces from, from quality teams. You know, Kellen Grady uh, if he's healthy I think is the best player in the league even if he's not the reigning um, uh, league most valuable player. So, yeah, I'm high on VCU, high on Davidson, and yes, I think Dayton could be um, good as well. I mentioned that the, I believe the AP poll, at least the preseason one, does become a little bit of groupthink, uh, but not for Luke DeCock. Did you see his ballot, Raleigh I, News and Observer? I did not, but is he? are you doing a preseason version of the poll attacks here? No, I don't do those. I used to. I, do, I don't do them anymore because – the Politex are rooted in there's no way you can do what you just did based on the data that is available. You can do anything you want in the in the preseason, and you might end up being right. There was one year where I wrote somebody had Kansas ranked number one and in the preseason. And I even like I, I wrote a column about how ridiculous it was. I think I even called Bill Self, and Bill's like, there's no way we should get a first vote, <laughs> right? But then they ended up like you looked up at some point in the season, they were really number one in the country, right? So I just said, you know what? I'm not, the, right. I'm going to wait until we have uh, results before I start making fun of people's ballots. But the reason I bring it up, um, he has Missouri ranked 13th on his ballot. He is the only voter who has Missouri on a ballot. He's got them all the way up at 13. You've got Missouri down at number 82. Um, nobody, wow. like, Got, I think at Ken Palm they're 39, so maybe it's not the craziest thing in the world. But uh, do you think that's a mistake, or do you? Th- and I don't mean like right or wrong. Do you think he mistyped, or do you think he actually wanted Missouri at number 13? I Parish, there's I I don't I don't listen again. It's preseason. Luke is a tremendous reporter, by the way. Um, does a great job. I have a very hard time justifying Missouri as a top 40 team, let alone top 25, let alone top 50. 15 and 17 a season ago, I get that. I don't think the roster is overwhelmingly impressive. Um, I Was that the one? So his, was his ballot the one that stood out most? Because I... I'm a I'm a huge seller. I just oh, I saw Missouri play a few times last season. Um, you know they obviously had major issues on the offensive end. I know Tigers fans are optimistic that they're going to make uh, good strides this season, but I actually think they're going to remain relatively static overall. But that's that's eye popping. That's that's more egregious than me buying heavy on Providence at 15 there. Um, but you know what? If we look up. January 20th, and Missouri is ranked 19th in the polls, and more power to Luke. Um, but that one's just, you know, I'm all for people, by the way, doing this, I guess, in general, though. Um, taking a little, look, cha- taking a little at chance. A, Go ahead. Looking at a speed, 
Um, and he hasn't addressed it at all, which, I mean, I don't know. But, like, what it suggests – I'm confident he's been asked, how, why do you have Missouri ranked? I'm confident – and the, the fact that he hasn't – you know, he hasn't referenced Missouri at all on Twitter, which would lead me to think that maybe it was a, a mistake. Otherwise, you'd, you'd jump out there and try to defend it, wouldn't you? I don't yeah, know. I would think so. I mean, I don't know. I've never been an AP voter, so I don't know how the process is. I don't know if there's a drop-down menu and Missouri was next to. Missouri State's going to be better than Missouri. I mean, Missouri State, I have 69th, which is nice, in my rankings. And, I mean, there isn't a coach in that league that doesn't think – uh, that Missouri State isn't by far the best team in the Valley this season, uh, could potentially break through to be an eight- or nine-level seed. I mean, because they bring in so many good transfers there. They've gotten better. They've gotten older. Dana Ford has a strong team. Um, so, I, I, you know, I just I, – uh, Missouri, I've got nothing against you. I mean, I, I, I long – and we'll get to uh, the resurrection of a, a very important series here in a few, but um, I'm just not seeing how – the Tigers can be validated as a preseason top 25 team because the SEC is also going to be uh, still pretty good this season. And whereas you even have some schools that have coaching changes, I, I like I, I think Alabama is going to be better this season than it was last despite a coaching change. Uh, I think Texas A&M is going to be better this season than it was last despite a coaching change there. So I just don't see Missouri getting into a position where it's going to be the sixth or seventh best team in that league. You mentioned the SEC and, and perhaps getting better with coaching changes. You look at that stable of coaches now, and I know it didn't win our um, uh, Candy Coaches series when we were at when we asked, you know, more than a hundred college coaches what league from top to bottom has the best stable of coaches now. I think the ACC was the leading vote getter, but my I think my vote would go to the SEC. You look up and down that league, there are it's almost nothing but accomplished guys. Really, I mean, there. I think maybe this is the way I would put it. The SEC has fewer questionable coaches than any other league in America. Probably. Uh, I mean, feels like them or maybe Big Ten. Maybe it's close. It's real close. Yeah, I would. Th- how about this? And this is also interesting. Um, with the. the some of it is because the coaches who are in place are awesome. Some of it is because the you know the, the, the coaches in place are, are brand new, so they're not at risk of getting fired. But I don't think there'll be a single coaching change in the SEC at the end of this season, regardless of what happens this season, unless it's NCAA related with Auburn or NCAA related with LSU. Short of that, I don't think I don't think any coach is in danger of losing his job, which is a, a weird place for a league that size to be. Yeah, in fact, I've got another thought on uh, the SEC, but first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. 
the dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so GP, just real quick, as, since we're hitting on this topic here, because I did, I did specifically look at the at a few leagues once I had assembled the rankings there, and I have LSU at forty, I've got Bama at thirty three. So overall, when you look at um, and Tennessee's the only, and I've got Tennessee at forty one. So you know, a mild seller on them, but the SEC is in a position here where um, you've uh, Kentucky and Florida will punch it out for the top of the league. Auburn, LSU, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Georgia might have the best, might, 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 we'll see, might have the best freshman, America and Anthony Edwards there, uh, Buzz now steps in at Texas A&M, I'm already regretting how low I have uh, Kermit Davis and Ole Miss in the rankings there because he has overachieved with teams practically his entire career, um, and then even like South Carolina, I have, I have down in the 80s. Frank Martin did tie for fourth in the league last season, so um, it's just it's just one guy after another in that conference. And even like you know, I'm I'm selling on on Arkansas in year one under Must. You know, a lot of roster turnover. How are they going to do with the with the transfers and all that? But um, if he gets it going there, I mean, it's just a super intriguing conference overall. And because of that, while I think Kentucky and Florida are the clear top, like throwback to you know 2007 here, but they're the clear top. I just think we're guaranteed to have five or six really good teams in the conference, but it almost just feels like a big old stew there, and you can kind of pull out the teams. For me, it's harder to differentiate um, really with any sort of true confidence how the pecking order will be, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, I, I think everybody would have Kentucky, Florida, and in fact, our expert picks at CBS Sports on the SEC preview, everybody had Kentucky, Florida, one, two, in some order. And then after that, it gets a little mixed up. And you mentioned Kentucky and Florida are going to you know, bang it out at the top of the league. And I think that's true. But it, it, I did notice the Kimpom projections have Kentucky winning the SEC by three games. They got Kentucky going 14-4 and in the SEC, Florida and Tennessee finishing second at 11-7. and So I'll be shocked if anybody wins that league by wow. three games. But I did, I did notice that, that – Ken's um, preseason ratings projections have have uh, Kentucky really running away with the SEC regular season title. Kentucky at two, Florida at ten. Um, real quick, I'll spout these off because the Palm the Ken Palm ratings came out Sunday. Uh, AP came out Monday. Then my one to three fifty three came out here on Tuesday. Uh, here's one through twenty five. Tell me if anything sticks out to you as being wrong or abnormal. MSU, Kentucky, Louisville. Duke 4, Virginia 5. Then UNC, Purdue at 7. Nova, Gonzaga, and Kansas fill out the top 10. You go down, you have Ohio State at 11. That's higher than even I have them. Florida, Baylor, Florida State at 14. Texas Tech reigning runner-up at 15. The Terps, as we said earlier, at 16. Marquette without the Hauser brothers at 17. Xavier right behind them at 18. The Vols and Seton Hall fill out top 20. The next five are Michigan, who will be without Franz Wagner for at least four to six weeks. We learned that yesterday. Auburn at 22. VCU 23. Arizona 24. And Oklahoma at 25. I got a couple surprises in there, but to you, if you had to narrow it down to one or two, what stands out the most in terms of what you didn't expect to see when you opened up the tab on, uh, say, Sunday night? 
Well, I don't know what I expected to see, but I think Purdue's too high. Um, but I understand why Purdue would be that high. Like, um, I had Ken on the radio show yesterday, and he one of the points he made is that um, his algorithm um, it it values teams that are good. You know, like if you've been good, it 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 on some level. Um, it assumes that you will be again. And so that's the explanation for, at least it's, it's part of the explanation for Purdue. Purdue has consistently been good in recent years. So um, his model is, is assuming that Purdue will, will be good again. And, and I, I do think they will be. I've got them in the top 20, but I, I don't know that any human ranking would have Purdue in the in the top 10, at least not one that, that I've seen. And in Maryland, um, I, 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 that, that seems too low. You know, I've got Maryland six. Uh, the Ken Palm preseason ratings have Maryland at sixteen, and then um, Florida State. I would say too high at fourteen, but again, they've been consistently good, so perhaps that explains that. And Marquette losing the house, you know, with the Hauser brothers, I think the preseason top ten. Without them, I don't think they're preseason top thirty, maybe. <laughs> so the idea that they would be seventeenth—that's a little high. But again, this is all, you know, Ken. I, I think even Kim would tell you there are going to be outliers, even things that when it spits it out, he goes, eh, I don't I don't I don't love that. But he just sort of lives with the the totality of it, because uh, it, it 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 is it is I mean, history shows it, it's it does a good job of telling you who's going to be good and who's not going to be good. Even if there are minor disagreements you might have with very specific teams. So I accept it as credible and as a good guiding principle um even if i you know i would go produce too high um market's too high maryland's too low i mean i could nitpick it but i I still pay close attention to it because i do think again history shows um if you are going to be great you're probably listed in the top five or ten of of this of this list right now our national champion odds are is is one two three four or five that's what history shows yeah the, the national champion is, is michigan state kentucky louisville duke or virginia more often than not it is one of the preseason top five teams at kinpa now as a reminder this is a predictive metric and particularly in the preseason and early parts of the season it's going off of uh player data from a season ago plus as you mentioned uh how good schools have been in the previous two three four seasons overall and the and the rankings themselves don't entirely rely on in-season data until we get to about mid-january so keep that in mind there will still be preseason influence that affect these rankings as uh, as we get games to start the the middle of the season here are a few notes i had oklahoma um i mean i i just I've, i strongly disagree i think it'll be eighth ninth or tenth in the big 12 he's got oklahoma 25th i've got him 71st and i say that uh while also admitting like i was shocked at how close uh, i obviously didn't consult uh, these rankings, but when I did mine, um, a couple of teams were like, I mean, Illinois, we both had 35 right on the button, um, a big season ahead for Illinois. So I say that, uh, to acknowledge that there are some major discrepancies here. Um, Marquette at 17. I, you said not top 30. I got Marquette 52nd in the country. Um, as I wrote in the capsule, feel free to prove me, prove me wrong. Um, but, if Marcus Howard is going to be just a complete volume monster, is there enough around him? And there might be, but um, I, I don't see a, a situation or a scenario in which Marquette is a viable top four team in that league. Maybe top five, but them at 17, uh, to me, is probably putting a lot of stock into 
Howard and how often he was the most valuable player in a game Marquette played last season. I think that probably had some sort of impact uh, overall. Purdue at seven is high, but given how good they've been, and then they still bring back, I mean, we're going to have our top 101 players published later this week uh, at cbssports.com. We do have three Purdue players on that list, and they're, I'm, you know, GP, I'm talking off the top of my head. I don't think there are more than five teams that can claim the same. So if you want to look at it from that perspective, you know, slotting Purdue as a top 10 team in the preseason, not totally outrageous. So we both have them uh, ranked, but just seven is, is much, much higher than I, uh, than I would have expected there. And then otherwise, Florida State, but I can give you the exact reason for that. I mean, Florida State over the past five years is the third winningest program in the ACC. So if you purely go off of how um, Pomeroy's rankings value year-over-year success in the big picture, um, Florida State's inclusion there is not so surprising. But overall, I'd say that's the that's what sticks out most to me. Um, but nothing too crazy. We mentioned Memphis at 50 in the Ken Palm rankings. I thought that was relatively notable. And then one other team, Parrish. Um, the the uh, the shine of the Bo Ryan era is completely washed off of Wisconsin and maybe been replaced by Purdue because you'll recall that without fail Wisconsin and Palmer has uh, talked about this uh, a couple of times in years past Wisconsin just had a way of breaking his system in fact I'm almost entirely sure this is correct uh, he even tweaked. Um, his rankings to not overvalue Wisconsin because there had gotten to be such a point where just it was it, it was busting through the wall no matter what here. Well, that's no longer the case. I mean, Wisconsin is 45th in his rankings. Um, that's that's lower than I have them. Um, they lose Ethan Happ, but I've got the Badgers at 28 overall. That was just lower than I expect him to be. But things have changed under Greg Gard. They don't have Happ. That he's a significant player. I mean, he was probably one of the three or four most valuable Ken Palm players last season parish so they're just a team maybe alongside Purdue that I'll be intrigued to follow to see how the metrics rate them going forward because whereas Wisconsin was almost untouchable as a top 15 team every single season that has now clearly changed so it's uh, always fun to once all of this preseason stuff is out to sort of look at it and contrast and compare and so if you haven't checked it out yourself um, Norlander's 1 to 353 is at cbssports.com. You can get the Ken Palm ratings um, at kenpalm.com. You don't even have to have a subscription to look at the 1 to 353 there, although you can get one for less than 20 bucks a year. And if you're a serious college basketball fan, um, you, you should have a $20 subscription to Ken Palm. It, it, it makes you uh, smarter and really does. Um, it's an invaluable tool for anybody who considers themselves a, a serious college basketball fan. Again, you can check that out at KenPalm.com. Uh, Our conference previews are up over at CBSSports.com. We'll have the top 101 players list publishing a little later on this week. So a lot of uh, of content, a lot of preseason rankings. Um, AP poll, uh, when the coaches poll comes out, it'll all be at CBSSports.com. So uh, go check that stuff uh, out when you get a chance. Before we get out of here, I do want to touch on some news from Monday night, and that's that Kansas and Missouri are going to renew their men's basketball rivalry. Obviously, they were um, conference um, colleagues for a long time in the Big 12. Missouri law, uh, left for the SEC. Uh, Kansas's approach at that point was basically, if they wanted to play us, they could have stayed in our league. They wanted to go be in somebody else's league, then they can go do that. But ultimately, um, whatever uh, issues um, uh, were rooted in that have 
um, I've been trumped by, eh, let's give our fans a game that they want. And so it's a six-year deal starting next season at the Sprint Center. Um, after that, it'll next year be in Lawrence, uh, then Columbia, then Lawrence, then Columbia, then back at the Sprint Center. Six consecutive years, we'll get Kansas, Missouri. And I love these regional rivalries. Um, you know, I, I, I know that some coaches want to play a quote-unquote national schedule and don't think they gain anything by – by playing people in their own region in the non-league, but I just fundamentally disagree. If you know, ultimately this is about entertainment, and if it's a f- game that your fans want because the universities are close in proximity, in this case, um, share a border, then if you can make it work, make it work. And so, uh, shouts to Kansas, shouts to Missouri. Um, you know, whether it was Bill and Conzo who got involved in this or whatever level it was done, um, it's a good thing. This is something the fans want, and it's something that, uh, you know, makes college basketball better. College basketball doesn't need Kansas and Missouri to play, um, to, to exist. But if you can get enough Kansas and Missouris and, you know, border rivals like that or in-state rivals to play in the, uh, you know, every November and December, it, it is it is a more entertaining uh, non-league basketball schedule than we otherwise would have. Trivia time. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. So this will be when they play next season. It'll be the first time Missouri and Kansas have played since the rivalry. Uh, now, as we understand it, temporarily ceased. Can you name – first of all, do you remember the last time they played? It would have been uh, the last year they were in. Right, but, like, do you remember the game? Do you remember the game or not? No. Okay. Well, it was <laughs> – Kansas Missouri fans were throwing their arms up in the air. It was I I remember first it was an epic game because at the time we knew unless they were going to meet in the in the Big Twelve tournament it was going to be the final time they play for the foreseeable future and they wound up playing an absolute classic. I only remember it because um, I was at UConn for a game later that day between Syracuse and UConn, which wound up being a really good game. And before that game tipped. The the Kansas Missouri game went to overtime, and it was on on the TV in the hallways of the of uh, of, of Gamble Pavilion there, and it was just an awesome game. So the last time I played was 2012, Kansas. All right, so the trivia time is this: Who was Kansas's best player, and who was Missouri's best player the last time they played? Let's just see if you can get either one okay. of those. 2012. 2012 was the Missouri team that lost to Norfolk State in the NCAA tournament as a two seed. Is that I'm I'm just. Tom, Tom, Thomas Robinson? Dick, you are bingo, bango, on the money. Thomas Robinson was by far Kansas's best player that season, but they also that team also had Tyshawn Taylor, Elijah Johnson, Jeff Withey, one of my 40 favorite college players of the past decade. Love me some Jeff Withey. Um, that was the majority of Kansas. What about who was on that Missouri team, GP? I, I don't remember. Marcus Denman? First of all, yes. <laughs> yes. I swear to God, I'm not cheating. No, I know you're not. I know you. But there's also a particular player on that team who now uh, happens to be a coach who might be a bit offended if he's listening to this podcast and you can't remember that he was on the team. Kimmy English. Kimmy English was on that team. Really just a, a, a role player at best, though. We both know that. I mean, what? The, the team wasn't uh, – team went 30-5 and five with or without him. I don't think that would have made much of a difference there, and I think he knows that too. Um, Michael Dixon, really good. Phil Pressey. Uh, the last great Missouri team, um, and they uh, they lo- they lost that game 87-86 in overtime at Allen Fieldhouse in what I think Kansas and Missouri fans would tell you uh, is one of the three best games or so in the history of that rivalry, and now it gets reignited next season. What's interesting about next season is 
we could have Paris. We could really have a situation in which that game is uh, the thing that Kansas fans can hang their cap on because we could have Kansas be ineligible for the NCAA tournament next season. So if that's the case, um, the Missouri, the return of the Missouri game just becomes ultimately one of the highlights. If in fact the NCAA opts to sanction and ban the Jayhawks from the 2021 tournament, which I think is a possibility, and if that's the case, well then the return of the Kansas Missouri rivalry just comes at a good time because it would, if if nothing else, it's just the return of potential bragging rights. And uh, and Missouri, I actually do think will be better next season. Uh, so I think that will set up for a, a pretty great reintroduction to the rivalry. Prediction. Prediction. Can- Kansas, and we'll close with this, Kansas will be banned from the 2021 NCAA tournament. Norlander, yes or no? I'm going to offer my answer, but you got to offer yours as well, okay? We're both going on the record here. Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, I love that this – I'll make the prediction here and we'll get out of here. But I do absolutely love that this is returning. It does – the sport doesn't need it, but it is so much better to have it, and they did it for six years, four of them on campus. Just great stuff. I love it. Kansas fans are like – I don't need it. Uh, stop it, okay? Like, this is a tremendous thing to have back. Uh, my prediction is, yes, Kansas will, when the uh, the process goes through, the NCAA will opt to ban the Kansas Jayhawks from the 2021 NCAA tournament. What about you? I agree. I do not I do not think Kansas will be eligible for the 2021 NCAA tournament. So perhaps their Super Bowl, as you put it, will be uh, Kansas-Missouri. Uh, at the Sprint Center, because I don't think we'll get Kansas in the 2021 NCAA tournament. But as always, we'll see. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. You can rate it favorably while you're there. It really does help us. So thank you guys. Uh, to those of you who have done it, uh, we appreciate it. If you haven't done it yet, please go subscribe. Please go rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments. We appreciate you doing it, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.